Oh, hi, didn't see you there. Hello, and welcome to Adam vs. the Man. Happy Friday. Woo! Today is Friday, August 28, 2020. Yeah, we made it. It's been a fun week. It's been an exciting week. It's been a lot of news. Been a lot of good stuff happening here with Adam versus the Man. And uh, I have to start with a bit of a warning for everybody who's been following this production. We had a little explosion in the, uh, the Adam vs. the Man store last night. Now, uh, because it's an online store, uh, nobody got hurt. And because CJ was really bored, it was an explosion of new merchandise. CJ, I want to get CJ up on stage here for a second and show us the new AdamVersusTheMan.com store. This is, this is really, I'm a merchandise geek, but I'm like too lazy to organize it myself. I just want to develop these awesome brands. And right now we've got the Garden of Freedom, Gardenia, we've got... Freedom, the book, the logo, the message, and of course, now new and improved with CJ's help, Adam versus the man, all the way over there with that logo. And it looks like last night, uh, <laughs> CJ's wife must have been really mad at him because he had a lot of time on his hands. And we ended up with how many new items in the store, CJ? Well, uh, it says that we now have, and again, I mean, I just went a little ham. Uh, 55 uh, results at our shop. So yeah, there's 55 options now for you to help support the show. Uh, and, but this is just the beginning. Uh, the Producers Club knows what I'm talking about. But, yeah, yeah. you know, just uh, any any way, shape, or form you want to show support. I mean, you just, like, you feel like you click load. Then you're like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I, I know you like this uh, this bucket hat right here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that oh, yeah. I'm going to be it, rocking that here. Yeah, that's stitched up, and that's, uh, you know, old school, but, uh, you know, it's but for you, it's like, yeah, no, I want it now, so it's still, like, current school, so that tells you that you're old. Uh, I know oh, that, I know, you, for dude. example, that, hey, you asked for it, Mercedes, I know she likes this one, uh, you know, I mean, we've all kind of been looking at what we'd like, I know, I mean, it, even with Jim, you know, I mean, like, to have uh, his own brand on there for when he takes over is like... Uh, you know, it's, it's just something that I thought is really cool. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted, like, uh, if I was going to go out as, as a – I, I kind of went on a theory of, like, okay, well, what if it's man on the street? Well, maybe he needs a backpack that Adam will want to carry his stuff in while he wears his uh, fanny pack of freedom, you know, and, and wearing the sweatshirt of freedom. By, and, by the way, I since uh, I'm I'm actually really excited – that you added a fanny pack to our store because that was my favorite way to conceal carry. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I know you want this for the uh, the Freedom Factory, and it comes with, uh, you know, like, it comes with a picture of Gardenia on the top of it. Greetings from Gardenia. Why is why is the, be now, the beanbag stock photo there in profile? It looks like the top is being picked up. And so uh, it because, up because it looks like this is where you'd be sitting your butt in. Oh, okay. The other shot, though, the next one, to the left there. No, to the left. Yeah. It just looks like a giant nut sack. That looks like the nut sack of freedom right there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it yep. should be blue and overflowing, though. Uh, that's, I don't know, that's really an accurate depiction. 
But you also took this as an opportunity to put some women's butts on our store. We have pants. No, 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 no. Those aren't on the store yet. Oh, oh. Some things are not on the store yet because, again, it, it's, I, I, we'll put it this way. We now have available behind the scenes up to 113 <laughs> items. So, really, there's twice as many items that you've seen here. Do you want Jesus Go Fasters? Because yeah. we got Adam versus the man freedom as the libertarian Jesus Go Fasters. These are what we called them in, in uh, the Marine Corps was Jesus Go Fasters. They're sandals. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we have Jesus Go Fasters uh, as well. I mean, so, uh, you know, these are, you know, I'm, I actually just bought this trucker hat for myself since I'm going trucking. That's a cool one. Yeah, and, and then, then Kendall immediately told me that I don't have nice hats and I better not get this one dirty. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hats well, like that are designed to get dirty. That seems like the point. Yeah, yeah, but that's a that's a legit nice hat. Can't wait to get it. Can't wait to try it on. Yeah, so I went ham on the shop, uh, and 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 again, there's some shirts here that even Marcus sent to me and was like, "Hey, Adam is gonna want to see these because like, you know, I, I check this out. We have uh, this is I thought was kind of crazy, the Hug Life shirt. <laughs> Marcus thought you should be having the Hug Life shirt on here, but all these shirts are made in the USA. So I thought, you know, and, and there's quality shirts in there. There's people that, uh, you know, if you want to <laughs> find a cheaper shirt, you want to uh, sort it by uh, lowest price to help it out, just even uh, we got Adam versus the Man stickers. And these are really nice, too. Oh, yeah. We got yeah, the basic yeah. shirts to help us out. Uh, you know, we got people that bought some net gators here with, like, Matt. I, I just bought this for me because, again, I, I, I think this is going to be great to put on the show. Yep. You know, like, before YouTube, I'll check that box. You know, I love that as a libertarian, like that's, is that my catchphrase now, as a libertarian? Can I claim that one? No one I else really is. I don't know if you so much can claim it as a, as a lot of things that libertarians just, we do have to explain it from a libertarian perspective. <laughs> Well, and, I wouldn't. I wouldn't claim it like original. Like I'm the first person. That, well, I was a libertarian. Right, but I would say, if out of those that would wear that shirt or have that title, yeah, you you as a libertarian would be like a de definition of that that shirt. And there's some cool ways that that has uh, that played out here on on the store. But yeah, I've got. You want a freedom shower curtain? <laughs> you want freedom shoes? Do you want to walk the, to the walk that freedom mile in those freedom shoes? We can get you hooked up at AdamVersusTheMan.com. And, uh, you know, we tried to do a uh, – to win entry into our producers club, uh, it, we would take the largest uh, purchased amount. If you purchase the most at the shop, uh, you'll win entry into the into the uh, Adam Versus The Man producers club. Well, uh, I figured they should have some choices and, and have as much diversity to be able to support – you and your message, and before I go for the next two and a half months, because, you know, you can feature, like, this beautiful coffee mug that says, greetings from Gardenia. Mm -hmm. and, and, I mean, come on, Adam, you don't you don't want to wake up in the morning and put your coffee or your drink in a coffee mug that's no princess fingers and has a beautiful scene from Gardenia. I mean, I put it to you this way. It's like anything you put on your Instagram, Adam, can go on a coffee mug. <laughs> oh, man, I love how you took that graphic. And, and for everybody who's listening to the audio production, 
Really, you got to go check this out. Get to AdamVersusTheMan.com. I'm ashamed of what I've done. <laughs> you know, no, no, I, I am so proud of you. Uh, what CJ has done really is taking it to the next level and, and with our store properly organized, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. We're going to get to more social media promotion for this. We got some really badass t-shirt designs that I've been wanting to do for years, honestly. And we're going to be doing some contests on social media where I'm going to post multiple designs and whichever one is most popular is the one that we're, we're going to add to the store next. we got some really cool stuff. Just like a sneak preview, one of them is, I like my guns the way I like my immigrants. Unregistered. Yeah. You want that on a t-shirt, don't you? Oh, man. Well, yeah, like... Mm. <laughs> I mean, I can do it. I can do it. For sure, so, you know, it's not... Oh, uh, there's a mask on the store, CJ. I'm not sure how I feel about... Oh, okay, we didn't get to the mask. Oh, man, we didn't even get to the mask. I'm not sure how I feel about selling masks... I know. ...that that have anything on them other than fuck your mandates. Right, okay. Yeah, no, 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 listen, Adam, I, I get that, I, I get that, I'm just, I was just showing you that that's a possibility, because I would much rather see that too, so, um, but yeah, no, we, but what, what I'm saying is in that aspect was to wake you up to that is we can sell masks, I mean, but with the hashtag burn your mask, it's like you're selling material to burn, like, yeah, I still don't have a mask, I wonder if I, so like, uh, by the way, I, about being an old veteran, I had like an old veteran moment. I was at the gas station yesterday in, in Ash Fork, and this guy noticed my uh, my memorial tattoo. And if, if you don't know, for, I'll, I'll just, I will, we'll get down here and show everybody my memorial tattoo that says, uh, some gave all for nothing, and it's got the profile of the country of Iraq and uh, helmet and rifle memorial. And this, this older guy came up to me and was like, Yep, some gave all, all gave some, and, like, some muttered some other thing, and I was like, yeah, back in my day in the name, and I was like, it, it, but it was like, fellow older bearded gray-haired veteran, let's commiserate kind of moment, and I was like, shit, there's no, like, hey, whippersnapper, or uh, welcome to the club, it was just like, oh, you're an old fucking veteran, too, uh, yeah, Shit. Okay. All right. Uh, but then, then we did the interview, or then I thought about the interview uh, with Tony Simon. And he was like, "No, no, I'm old core." What is that? Are we getting unsolicited super chats? We are. Feel good. People throwing money at us through the YouTube. Zachary Coleman for twenty bucks. All right. Thank you, Zachary. All right. So I gotta say, so this T-shirt contest for picking the next design is going to be on my Twitter feed, so follow me on Twitter, at Adam Kokesh. And by the way, I just we launched a new Libertarian follow train this morning. So check it out. It says, I will follow you right now if you retweet this, reply to this tweet with hashtag no libertarian under 1K, and your dankest meme three, follow everyone who does the same. Let's make this the biggest Libertarian love train ever! RTs for the dankest of memes. And I did this two hours ago. We've already got, what is it, 74? I don't know if, I'm, if I need to refresh. 
uh, retweets right now. I'm seeing my followers creep up every week, too. Uh, and it's Whoa. funny because I just – I lost, like – I think I lost a 1,000 followers around, uh, you know, say, supporting Black Lives Matter. I don't mean supporting. I'm not a, an active support, but, like, defending and coming, you know, supporting what they're doing that is libertarian or, or challenging authority, at least. And and now I'm, like, I'm creeping back up. I don't think those were real followers. I, like I said this before, I, I have this... A just, thousand oh, fake people just disappeared. What you going to yeah. do? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think... I think there are, I mean, you think of all the things that so many financially, uh, absurdly overfunded groups are able to do to manipulate the conversation online, hiring somebody to, to make sure that everybody like me has, you know, 5% of my followers are fake. So anytime I do something they don't like, it goes, oh, I just lose a ton of followers. And then I and, and and I go, oh my gosh, my own fan base doesn't like this, <laughs> right? I mean that's 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 fucking devious. Yeah. Like it's really clever, you know. I'm kind of glad that I'm I'm paranoid like this that I can think of it because the conclusion of of, of this and studying and this is so important. I mean, uh, Ernie Hancock likes to say nothing on the internet is real, but that's that's not exactly that's not exactly fair. But the, the the conclusion from all of that kind of manipulation for me is, Adam, you got to stay true to your own voice, to your own message, and not allow yourself to be manipulated like that, to be able to stand against comment sections and popular opinion or the false perception <laughs> thereof as is easily manipulated on the Internet. So please follow me on Twitter at Adam Kokesh. Join this libertarian follow train, the libertarian mean follow train for today, for this week. Uh, the, the first one got over a thousand and it crept up, uh, I think to over 1100 actually, for some reason we want to hit a left when it hit a thousand, it got a surge and you're like, Oh, Oh, this is legit. We're doing it now last week's. And this is a weird thing to complain about. Only got 700 retweets. I mean, that's amazing. That's awesome. And, and the feedback, that I've been getting from this has just been so heartwarming. Just that we're building a better, stronger libertarian community and conversation online. And people are going, not just, oh, wow, thanks, Adam. I got a few hundred more followers, but just, wow, like I, my experience on Twitter is better now. And you know what? Mine is too. Not just because I'm doing this, but like really my experience on Twitter engaging in that format and, and really you know, someone tried to get me on Parlor. I started a Parlor account, and I'm like, I don't know, let's go anywhere. There's this, there's a con whether you like it or not. This is what Twitter is. It is this conversation, and there are rules, and some of them suck, and there's, you know, weird censorship and manipulation. But this is like the the, the conversation of public record more more so than Facebook, and and that's I think what makes Twitter kind of fun because you can still say whatever the fuck you want. Uh, I mean. There are limits, but Twitter, I mean, remember, Twitter allows for, for porn. Like, there's, there's, like, in terms of, like, content censorship, I mean, the censorship that happens, anyway, I, I'll stop here. Please follow me on Twitter, Adam Kokos. We're going to have those t-shirt contests coming up here. we got a guest today, Matt Clark, running for Kansas House District 23, joins us in just 30 minutes. And we also have comment Jim Freedom joining us from Phoenix. Jim? Yo, oh, yo. wow, I'm super chat. 
Yeah, that was Chris Cole for Tom. two bucks. Adam versus the man condemns, sponsored by victims of family law. That's condoms. Come on, man. Condoms. Condoms. Oh, era. Okay, yeah. He's, <laughs> he spelled it wrong. I, I'm forced to read the word and put in front of me. <laughs> he said the like same thing later after the super chat. Adam versus the man condemns. Change that E to an O. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, yeah. I we like can what do you guys easy. were saying about masks earlier, man. The only mask you should have is something to the effect of telling everybody, fuck their stupid masks. Yeah, or, I mean, if maybe there's a, a more appropriate, like, actual, <laughs> like, what would I, what would I want to wear? Like, if I was, like, court, right? Like, I had to go to court. To support a friend of mine, right? You remember that Jim, a couple weeks yeah. ago, and you know, we, I wore my bandana around my neck, and I was wearing like I was going to kiss the judge's butt to to, to tell them like that my friend's a good person. So you know, I'm, I'm being court sort of lawyer presentable, and uh, you know, by the way, South, Southwest country casual lawyer. So like jeans, boots, and then like button down sport coat and the bandana. I pulled the bandana up, but um, and in that situation. I don't want a mask that says "fuck your mandates," right? And I'm trying to like, but if I was just going into the courthouse or like DMV, uh, you know, what would what would I want the mask to say? I'm only wearing this because I don't know. What would you put on a mask, Jim? Yeah, it's a diabolical question because, like you're saying, like you're pointing out, it it it, it feels silly to put something on there so visceral anti-mask while you're wearing a mask, you know, it's, it's, I can't wrap my mind around it, but, but I mean, as long as you, like what you said, I'm only wearing this because I'm being forced, I'm being violently forced, or I've been, you know, uh, I, I won't be able to survive otherwise, something to that effect, you know what I mean? I'm only, I'm only, I don't know, uh, I mean, against my will, because you want it simple, right? You, you know, it's a small space. You want it to be readable right. from from at right. least across the grocery store, right? If you're, you know, um, maybe something that's a conversation starter, uh, you know, or maybe something more positive. I don't know. Let's let's see if. Uh, if our comment section can come up with anything, I'm just sticking well, with not wearing masks at at any time. I'm on I'm on a mask. Uh, like a few people have even asked me, "Hey, hey, can we go here?" I'm like, "No, I can't go in there. I, I refuse to put on a mask." And they specifically will not let me go in and do business without a mask. So I went to the vet the other day. I took Falcor the vet to get him dewormed and uh, a couple of shots, and. I went to the vet. They told me ahead of time, even when they called for my appointment, they said you have to have a mask and we're only letting one person in the thing at a time. And I'm convinced that no matter where you go, that's the policy like everywhere you go. No matter what store you go into today, there's a sign that says face masks required. But it depends, on who's, working. It depends on who's working. That's all that matters. If the person that's working is fully brainwashed by all that's going on and they think it's a serious public health threat, they're not going to let you shop there without a mask. But the majority of people I've found, if they even say something, hey, do you have a mask? No, I don't, thanks. 
they just like they don't even know what to say and then they just leave it alone like well whatever i'm not gonna argue with the guy you know what i mean like most people don't care that much they're trying to enforce it because their boss told them to but they're not giving any pushback once you resist it you know what i mean it's kind of interesting how like again in so many ways this virus is now the excuse to do whatever you want right yeah And, and and not literally anything but a lot of things and i mean big stuff like hey you wanted to print nine trillion dollars digitally you know hey you want to stay at home and, and welfare and uh you know you use this as the excuse to be lazy uh you know you want to use it as an excuse to be a bully you know there, there, there's so many things and, and with with someone working a, a retail operation or restaurant or whatever uh would, would have any kind of you know public point of sale uh, business establishment they have they have they have a lot of discretion they have a choice and they can, they they can always say, oh well, if I see someone without a mask, I thought we were supposed to assume that they had a medical exemption and not say anything, or just politely offer them a mask. And that's all that that's all. Like if if you want to go that mild with it, you know you can. And if you want to be, if, if your business says, you know, if your if your business the business owners or managers say, you know we're we're not going to serve customers without a mask. Uh, except curbside or ask them to leave and if they object you know we'll we'll accommodate them but no they're not well then you can be as much of a dick about it as you want and man yeah it's just sad to see that all over the place yeah i've been using it they tell me uh a couple times i've had them say like i already have my stuff in the hand and i'm at the register and they're like do you have a mask and i'm like no and they're like, well, you're supposed to be wearing a mask i was like well i'm right here and i got all my stuff can i just check out and a lot of times they'll be like yeah, okay, but next time you have to have a mask. You gotta put yeah. a mask on. And I always make sure to say, and it's been working out pretty well. I look dead at him. I say, uh, I won't be wearing a mask next time either. It's actually a protest for me. And then I go on to tell him, I did the math. I say, do you even realize that you've just accumulated since COVID started a brand new $27,000 in debt? You and every other man, woman, and child in this country has over $27,000 in debt just since the beginning of this year, just because of all this crap, you know, does that seem legitimate to you? And they usually go, oh, I didn't even realize that. And that gives them something to think about, something to Google when they get home, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't know it was that high. Where is that? Is that? Well, that's nine trillion divided by 330 million. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Nine trillion divided by 330 million is over $27,000. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it doesn't like I. I would have thought it would have been lower. Like, I've, I've been, that doesn't not not much. I mean, I would have been in the ballpark if you said Adam. I mean, yeah, I, off the top of my head, if I hadn't done, but that word that's nine trillion dollars divided by three hundred thirty million people. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's that's not so. That's debt due to Corona justified actions not even just like if your debt your debt is okay so uh, i'm looking at usdebtclock.org right now yeah and we're like over a hundred thousand or something maybe per no, no, debt per citizen is only eighty thousand eighty thousand <laughs> like still yeah. fucked up scale like fucked up amount of money the the total u.s national debt 26.7 trillion Jesus. Debt per citizen about eighty one thousand. Now here's where you get the bigger number: debt per taxpayer two hundred fourteen thousand. 
And now these are these are the conservative numbers, right? This is based on government's less inclusive figures. If you include, you know, uh, local debt, state debt, you know, the debt per citizen um, on, on just uh, on state debt is three thirty six hundred. Uh, local debt sixty four hundred. So you know, you, you throw those in, you're you're getting up around a hundred thousand. But then to say that 27,000 of this, like, this is what is shocking. I'm glad you mentioned this, Jim, because this does help us measure the scale of the corona ripoff, right? If your debt is $81,000, is your share of the national debt. Over 30%. Yeah, we're going by the citizen number, right? Not the taxpayer. We divided it by 330 million. That's how many U.S. citizens there are. Right. And that's that's actually right here, U.S. population, 330 million, 88,000. It's almost exactly 330 million right now. Mm-hmm. And your debt, $81,000, 27,000 of that in the last six months. Absolutely nuts. And yeah. we, we want to read this comment. Road trip, Eddie, I'm glad you threw this up here. So they robbed us $30,000 per person. Yeah, and by the way, it's probably, it, it, it is probably about $30,000 with everything else. And gave people $1,200 of a while. They, they screwed the Americans 30000 per person. Yeah, well, well, so it, it's not, it, it's not as direct as saying, they robbed us per person, right? Because they didn't. They, what did what did they really do? They robbed everybody who's holding the U.S. dollar, right? That's that's the immediate theft of inflation. Supply and demand applies to currencies also. You print more dollars, you have a bigger supply of dollars out there chasing in the market the same goods and services, and so now the demand is. Uh, driving that that price to go up because that demand is fueled with more purchasing dollars available. And so the purchasing power of the dollars in your back pocket go down. And in a way, they're stealing from you, not just now immediately with that, but it's, it's more of a future theft. It's more like we now have this excuse to steal from you in taxes in the future. Oh, because we, we got to pay the debt. We, we got we got to be responsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, again, just to put this in scale, your debt, $81,000, your share of the U.S. federal debt, 27000 of that added due to the coronavirus. Uh, and I, obviously it's not <laughs> – I should say, again, i gotta, I got to be precise with the language – using – the coronavirus as the excuse. Yeah. Now, there's another comment on, on screen. I didn't want to ignore this since you put it up. Uh, it was what happened with uh, Rob Gray and Mulligan Mint and that scandal. Well, the, the, the business was shut down. Uh, and, and by the way, something I was involved in as, uh, as sort of a client where they made, they made these really awesome silver one-ounce Adam versus the man coins. I think I still have a couple left. Uh, 
And there were a couple complaints that happened, and I, 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 as I understand it, most of them were after the government just tried to shut this business down, and they ended up uh, closing, and it was, it was a real tragedy for everyone involved. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think uh, Rob Gray is, you know, guilty of anything other than maybe some, you know, irresponsible business organization, but the primary responsibility for the failure of the business is the government intervention. And it's, it's another, you know, sad story that we don't have uh, the Mulligan Mint with us anymore. Anyway, uh, before we get to uh, to our guests, let's get through some news. We've got some updates on the Kenosha shooting. I know everybody, this is, this is a hot topic, and <clears throat> um, everybody wants to get into this and pick it apart, you know, myself too. So our first headline today comes from Reuters. Teenager in Wisconsin shootings charged with six criminal counts. Complaint. It's, it's kind of a weird headline. It's space dash complaint. Um, and adds details from criminal complaint. Okay, by Nathan Lane. Kyle Rittenhouse, a teenager arrested and charged in the shootings in Wisconsin that led to the death of two people and injury of another, faces six criminal counts according to a court document released on Thursday. The charges against Rittenhouse in Kenosha County include first-degree intentional homicide in the death of Anthony Huber, who was carrying a skateboard when he was gunned down. A conviction on that charge alone carries a life sentence. Now, uh, we have to go back and tease out still the actual events of that night because we don't know what started this. We don't have a clear course, uh, a full narrative, at least I don't, and I don't think it's publicly obvious yet what Kyle Rittenhouse was doing leading up to this. We know he did an interview before the incident. We know that he was guarding a gas station. Uh, We know that he was armed with an AR rifle and that he was doing this in Kenosha, Wisconsin, in order to defend property from the riots. We know that he was... A police supporter, and not just in a superficial way. I mean, it doesn't look like it. Uh, not only was the social media all pro, you know, thin blue line, blue lives matter. He also allegedly wanted to be deputized and volunteered to support the police and was cheering them on in, in uh, I don't know, putting down the riots. Uh, so... That he came out like this is not surprising. And there's a, there's a, we have to start this story by describing the, the, the weird, totally mixed messages and, and, and crossing of lines here. You know, to say, well, I support the police, but I still need to go out and do their job for them. Hmm. Okay, well, maybe you're saying, okay, they're underfunded. We need to fund the police more. You know, if you're that kind of police support, that's, you know, Kyle's perspective here. Then you have people criticizing this as a white militia problem. When this is not a, this is not a militia, this is not an anti-government thing. This is, this is an individual who was a police supporter, a government agent supporter, who wanted to be a cop going out playing cop. Now, to the incident on the night in question, the death of Anthony Huber was the separate incident 
before the first video that went viral of this in which the other two people are shot. What we have in video footage of this is uh, that there was a, a, a person chasing Kyle who threw a Molotov cocktail at him. I mean, all we have is, like, blurry cell phone across-the-street footage, and then you see the guy shot in the head. Then he's running. He's being chased. And now, this is where you go, is it justified? I don't know. Right? So you can't, you, you know, in, in the individual acts themselves, you can say, oh, yes, that was self-defense. Absolutely. Unquestionably. And actually, some of the footage that we have now, is of one of the people approaching the uh, the Kyle here pulling a pulling a handgun on him. Now this is actually really amazing marksmanship if you think about it. Uh, CJ, go ahead. Two stories to the RT. Armed Kenosha shooting victim tells friend he regrets not killing the kid in Facebook post. You go wow. So who is this? This is Gage. Uh, Grosskreutz was armed with a pistol when 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse blew his bicep apart with a semi-automatic rifle in Kenosha, Wisconsin. In a Facebook post that's gone viral, Grosskreutz regrets not killing the team. Now, this is, like, we go, wow. Now, look, you're chasing a guy down with a Like, this is so dumb. This is so dangerously dumb. I, I would, I mean, yes, it's a tragedy if this guy dies. And he's like, I mean, he's shot in the arm. Like, but, but if he was killed, I would have been like, yeah, you get a Darwin Award for that. You got a guy who you've been chasing, who's knocked down, who's now pointing a rifle at you, and you draw the pistol. I'm not, I mean, I'm going to feel sorry for you. For being dumb enough to do that, I'm not going to feel sorry for you for getting shot. Now, here's the crazy thing. Yeah, we have this exact footage, This just this clip. You can see from this angle exactly what's happening with this medic, Gage Grosskreutz, charging Kyle Rittenhouse on the ground. And this didn't come out at first, but now you can see, and now we know, confirmed from this would-be shooter, that he was drawing his pistol on Kyle. <clears throat> and Kyle shoots him in the arm. Holy shit. If only cops could do that, we'd have a lot. Well, I don't But yeah, that's good shooting. You shoot to disable instead of kill if you can. Holy shit. Now, if he did that intentionally, then Kyle is a fucking hero for sparing this guy's life when he didn't have to. Now, the other guy apparently coming after him with a skateboard, you go, okay, yeah. If you're if you're coming after him, if you're going to hit me on the head with a skateboard, that's deadly force. You kill someone with a skateboard to the head. Now, me, I got a pretty thick skull. I got strong forearms. If I can block it and not kill you at first, I'm, I might take that route. But if you're swinging on my head with a skateboard and there's nothing else I can do, other than shoot you, uh, you're going to get shot. If I can shoot to disable you first, I might. But I'm probably just going to shoot to kill you. You're, you're aiming to kill me with a skateboard? <clears throat> uh, yeah, I'm going to aim to kill you. And it's sad. Uh, I wish I wish I didn't have to. Uh, I wish we had better 
you know, non like if I had pepper spray in that situation, eh, probably pepper spray first. You draw a pistol on me? Nuh-uh. No, I'm not going for the pepper spray. I'm going to shoot you. If I'm really fucking good, I'll shoot you in the arm. Now we go back one stage, right? Because could these guys be justified chasing Kyle? Right now, what if like let's let's uh, let let let's consider the potential flip side of this narrative? He's a guy running with a gun who would just fire some shots. Maybe you're just trying to detain him for questioning. Take responsibility for that. But then you don't chase him down aggressively like that, and he's running towards the cops anyway. You you follow, you pursue, you chase to keep track of, not to assault. But that's not what they did. So I, I, could it be that uh, is this guy wild? Is he is he is Kyle Rittenhouse prior to this incident that we have on on film? Is he running around shooting random people and like has to be secured and detained? Possible, highly unlikely given what we know. So going back from this, we go to the scene where Kyle is being chased by someone and having a Molotov cocktail thrown at him. Now what led to that confrontation? As far as I can tell, we don't know yet. And you can imagine a scene where that uh, person with a Molotov cocktail who was going to use it for destroying property, uh, sees Kyle Rittenhouse making himself a threat and says, well, now I'm going to deploy this weapon of convenience uh, in a justified way to stop someone, to try to stop someone uh, committing violence against innocent people. Possible, seems unlikely, but until we really know what precipitated that conflict, I don't think we can make a call on on this as a whole. Now, we can certainly say that Kyle Rittenhouse shooting someone drawing a pistol on him in the arm, totally justified. Someone chasing him down with a skateboard, trying to smack him in the head, shooting to kill, yep, totally justified. Shooting someone who just threw a Molotov cocktail at you, could be justified. We don't know. We still got to see how that's teased apart. And I'm going to be looking forward to the next information on this that we get when we see. I, I think there's going to, there are going to be independent investigation. Uh, there's also going to be the police report, which is going to be able to get some information that other people probably, probably won't have access to. And there are going to be a lot of interviews. We've seen some of these. Uh, you know, he was irresponsibly handling the weapon. Uh, he killed two people and shot a third in the arm with a pistol in his hand. I don't think that's someone who's holding the weapon here. I mean, just to hear the, the way that Kyle has been slandered in all of this. You know, I mean, part of it is that part of, part of me is hoping that, that he's cleared of all charges, and not, not because I know that he should. I mean, if he shouldn't be cleared of all charges, then he should be. He should, he should I, I mean, I hate to say, face the punishment because we should have justice, not punishment. But then he'd be held accountable if, if, if a full investigation finds that uh, you know one of his shootings uh, wasn't justified. Uh, yeah, then he should be held accountable. So now the thing is, who is this guy Grosskreutz? So apparently, and this is this is from uh, from this RT story. It shows uh, this is a clip 
uh, a, a screenshot of a Facebook post that says, uh, is, is a comment from uh, Jacob Marshall saying, so the kid shot Gage as he drew his weapon and Gage retreated with his gun in his hand. I just talked to Gage Grosskreutz too. His only regret was not killing the kid and hesitating to pull the gun before emptying the entire mag into him. Coward. And I'm like, I don't even know who he's calling a coward in this case. Um, but yeah, that, that he so he wanted to kill him right then and there. And this is the shot that where you see this. That, I mean, really, this is a, a magnificent shot. Um, and, and you can see in this post as well, yeah, the wound. Uh, you know, uh, looks like he's going to be... You know, he's not going to forget this one for the rest of his life. Now, who is this? So we, we have, um, you know, who are the people who, who Rittenhouse shot? And people are going, oh, look at these criminal records. And, of course, anytime I go look at a criminal record, I go, okay, so what is government accusing someone of? But um, apparently, and, and I will say the N-word to quote this guy, uh, apparently the, the other one who was shot in the head earlier in the, uh, in the incident with the Molotov cocktail, who was also seen in video footage earlier, uh, aggressively taunting and, and challenging somebody to shoot him. He said, shoot me, nigga. Kenosha teenage vigilante's victim ID'd as registered child molester seen on video daring others to shoot him. Yeah, so of the other two men shot by Rittenhouse, one turned out to be a convicted child molester and the other domestic abuser with a rap sheet including strangulation, use of a dangerous weapon, and false imprisonment. The latter now has a GoFundMe page set up on behalf of his partner, calling him a hero and racking up more than $100,000 in support. A GoFundMe page set up for Kyle Rittenhouse to cover his legal expenses has meanwhile been deleted by the platform. Oh, really, GoFundMe? Go fuck yourself. This is a guy, uh, you're going to take sides in this. Now, yeah, this guy should be entitled to the full legal defense, and he's going to need it, no matter what. He's going to absolutely need it. But who are these other people? Like, I mean, if, if you're doing, if, if you're looking at this and you're trying to go, uh, who are the, the characters involved here, right? What's the motivation? And you're trying to understand this, right? And, and you know, look at Kyle. Um, and, and, and I don't want to defend Kyle uh, in, in this for being a police supporter, right? Because I'm not a supporter of people who enforce victimless crime laws for politicians, okay? So I think he's, he's wrong on that count. But it, it speaks to his motivation that he's sort of pro-policing, right? That's what he's there going to do. Now, that could mean that he's pro-beating up black people, shooting innocent, like that's what he's about, because police are, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that in the police, right? Or pro-organized crime or pro-KKK, infiltration of the police, right? You know, but he's 17, as far as we know, no anger issues. The other one, you go domestic abuser with a rap sheet, including strangulation, dangerous. Well, I, I understand how those things can be exaggerated. But you, you, you don't get to be a convicted child molester or domestic abuser with at least not having uh, impulse control issues. So to think that these people were acting totally inappropriately is, is uh, you know, really important in, you know, teasing apart who is the aggressor. 
who was responsible for the escalation. And I have said in the past, I mean, before this happened, I said, like, look, these street fights are stupid. They're really fucking stupid. Like, someone comes to hit you over the head with a stick, and you hit them back with a stick? And then just kind of stand back and you get the cuffs in the street, Proud Boys versus Antifa. And, and I've, I, you know, we're, <clears throat> we're going to interview uh, some folks from uh, both organizations next week. I'm really looking forward to some of these interviews we've got coming up. And I'm, I'm going to tell them to their face how dumb this is. Because, you know, and, and really challenge them on this. Because, you know, if you just had these, the, the Proud Boys go, or defending. Well, then defend. You know, you be real secure. Don't be a political force. Be a security force. You know, be motivated by politics. But, like, actually go out and defend. And what happens then is when you are defending against people using violence against people like this, people are going to get shot, and they're going to fucking stop. And it's really fucked up that it got to this point. But there is a silver lining. I'm sorry, I had the names confused here. The first one who was killed is Joseph Rosenbaum. And this is from the other RT story, Kenosha shooting victim ID. Joseph Rosenbaum, 36, was the first one killed. Video allegedly shows him chasing teen shooter and throwing something at him. Rosenbaum was a registered sex offender for sex crime involving a minor. So the man was also filmed provoking people during the night of the shooting and using racial slurs. Now, is the guy... The, the white dude who thinks he can say the N-word like, nigga, if I don't say, if I don't put the E-R at the end because I'm here at a Black Lives Matter protest, that, I don't think that's a racial slur. Uh, when he's telling, white dude at a Black Lives Matter protest telling another white dude, nigga, I, I'm pretty sure that's, that's not how that's going to end it. Uh, but here's the video. Let's hear the audio. Yeah, so obviously an ugly scene, a lot of ugly motivations and a really unfortunate way that this went down. Uh, The charge is going back to the Reuters story. Right now, 17 is being held in Illinois, where he lives. He has a court hearing on Friday for his requested extradition to Kenosha, the public defender assigned to his case in Lake County, Illinois. has declined to comment. Charges were detailed in a criminal complaint released by Kenosha County's clerk of courts. The document is the first detailed disclosure of the case against Rittenhouse for his role in the violence that erupted on Tuesday night when armed militia members clashed with protesters in the city. Yeah. So, um... The, the complaint says one video shows Huber with a skateboard in his right hand approaching Rittenhouse when he was on the ground. Huber appears then to try and grab the gun from Rittenhouse with his left hand before Rittenhouse fires. Yeah. Well, let's uh, – we're going we're gonna to keep covering this and make sure that we get all the value out of the silver lining that we can from this tragedy. All right, do we have our guest ready to go back to you? So I'm looking at the producer. See, now I got Telegram on my laptop, big upgrade for the studio set up here. I can read, like, by the way, so producer club people, if you want, there's another reason to join the producers club is that we can, uh, you, you can send me comments even during the show, and only people in the producers club will see them. 
So uh, let's see. Is there, is there, all right, guess is right. But we are going to take callers. So as soon as – and by the way, I want to hear your take on the Kyle Rittenhouse situation. You, you know, and this is one of the things I love about this show and the way that we have this ability to interact with the audience is that, you know, and, and I don't I don't get corrected a lot, but uh, occasionally, uh, you know, people, people challenge me all the time, uh, but occasionally, you know, a few times a week, someone from the audience will point out something like, hey, Adam, you missed this whole other angle on the story. Like, hey, this is really important. And this is a big, complicated one. The uh, I guess we're going to be calling it the Rittenhouse shooting. And of course, CJ is taking my interlude here to, as an opportunity to promote the store on screen. Go to adamversusthemancom slash store. CJ, Jim, whichever one of you is on it first or whoever is managing this today, if you would, please get the caller link into the comments. Get off the stage. I don't need to talk to you, Jim. Unless, what do you got? <laughs> All right. Something important? No, CJ just put me up. I don't know why. Get me out of here. All right, so we want to get three callers, and our third caller that we take after uh, after our guest wins membership in the Producers Club. You can find the details of that at patreon.com slash Adam versus the man. Then we're going to get to our Europe headlines, our financial headlines, and finally, finally, our tech block. I promise we're going to do it. But for now, let's get Matt Clark up on stage. Ladies and gentlemen, join us today from Kansas, running for House District 23 Libertarian candidate, Matt Clark. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Adam. How you doing, brother? Very good. So, you, uh, you, you, you're, how old are you, Matt? I hate to start with this question, but I gotta ask. I'm 31. 31. Because you, I mean, you, you got like the, the, you're, you're the first Libertarian uh, I've seen on this show without a beard in like in weeks, and it's it's wow. like I, we we get this a lot as libertarians, don't we? Like, how come you don't? But you you've got the clean shaven, eager, young. You know, I just your your face on your website. Let's get this up here because I want to promote you. I want to make sure that you get the opportunity here. MattClarkKansas.com. You got the smiling face, clean shaven. You look at even I, I love this. There's a whole crop of libertarian candidates who are just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm gonna be myself, and I'm not gonna worry about it, and this is who I am, and what I have to say. So, Matt, tell us about this race. How did you decide to jump into this? Uh, criminal justice reforms are my real passion area. Um, I was pretty disgusted to see last year, um, Kansas shipped over 100 inmates to a private prison in Arizona. Uh, they were authorized up to 360, um, up to $17 million a year to ship inmates to Arizona because our prisons are at capacity, over capacity. Um, we have so many people locked up that just don't need to be. I mean, we were the last state, I believe, to end prohibition once it was ended federally. Um, and it looks like we're going to be the last state to quit locking people up for, for cannabis as well. Um, we, uh, are just so behind on criminal justice reforms. The the stances that I have to take on my website um, just don't even feel like libertarian stances that I should have to take. Like, these should have been things that we addressed 20, 30 years ago. Um, and then our taxes just keep going up. We're one of five states in the country 
that still charge the full sales tax on groceries. Um, everyone else says, hey, food, you need food. We're not going to tax that at 6.5%, but no, we're going to still tax it at 6.5% with the money we already taxed on your income tax. So bringing criminal justice reforms to Kansas um, are, are my main driver. And while we're at it, we're going to lower some taxes as well. <laughs> nice. Now, that, that's a huge motivator for libertarians, right? Because as a libertarian, you know, we're, we're motivated by ethics, morality, justice. And we see, you know, the war on drugs and the prosecution for uh, victimless crimes. You know, they, 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 these are like really offensive to us. Is this resonating with people in Kansas? Uh, it really is. Um, almost everyone I've talked to supports legalizing cannabis. Almost every single person I talk to has supported legalizing cannabis. I've been to about 1,700 doors so far in my district. Um, obviously, I haven't talked to all 1,700 people, but I've talked to a lot of people between me and my volunteers, and almost everyone supports legalizing cannabis. You know, of course, we as libertarians would love to end the drug war, but that is so far away in Kansas that I have not uh, uh, even put that on my platform. I am merely trying to reduce all other drug possession offenses to misdemeanors. And this year in Kansas, the 2020 session... But, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold that, on. That seems like a very moderate step. To just say, like, it, I, I mean, it's still a misdemeanor. Yeah. Like, we're still, like... This is a huge compromise for you as a libertarian, right, to say we're just going to make sure. But, uh, but I do want to point out that, like, in terms of policy impact, that would be pretty huge, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. It was drastically reduced the prison sentences. And our prisons are rampant with these hard drugs anyway. So we're locking people up over their addiction problems. They're getting drugs in jail. Oh, and we haven't had visitors in our Kansas prisons for almost six months now. Guess what? People are still ODing on drugs. People are still getting in trouble for drugs. I wonder why that well, is. Well, hold on a second. I got. I got to like. I got to just unpack that for a second because what you just raised there is it, it, such a simple little quirk of current reality that touches on so many important stories. You're saying that jails in Kansas, jails and prisons, have not allowed visitors due to COVID for the last six months, right? Six and, months, well, since March or April, whenever. How many okay, months? yeah. Yeah, and still inmates are overdosing on drugs at the same rate as before? I don't know the rate because the Department of Corrections doesn't – it's difficult to get this information out, but this is from um, other sources. Inmates, families, uh, groups where anonymity is 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 key to protect their their the people on the inside. So, um, but we are still getting reports of of, uh, of drugs in prisons with no visitors. No, I I just love this because it it, it reveals like this is really related to my personal experience. The first day I got the general population in the D.C. jail. I, I traded five dollars worth of stamps for a joint because it was like, yeah, I gotta smoke some weed in here. I gotta, I got, and you know, it's what, what are the greatest ironies of of like that people use drugs to cope with imperfections in their lives. Just putting it mildly, right? Just as, as generally inclusively as possible. 
There is nowhere that you want to do drugs more than when you're locked up. There's nowhere more you need if you're stressed the relief of cannabis or the escape of alcohol or the calming effect of nicotine. Whatever it is for you, and, and I don't mean to praise drug use because I, I think I'm, I would rather praise people having better lives and not depending on it. But, yeah, it's it's who has access to smuggle stuff in a jail? Yep. Exactly. So there. Yep. Yeah, okay, so if, if you if, – if we got every – so this is the critical difference, right? Most people who are going to jail on drug charges aren't going for misdemeanors, correct? They're going for felonies. Yeah, yeah, to the state prison system, most of them are there on felonies. All right, so, you know, Matt, another question I really want to ask all, you know, any candidate who comes on the show, because I think it's really important for understanding the texture of the coronaphobia crisis right now. You said you knocked on, was it 750 doors out of 1,700 in your district? No, no, I've been to about 1,700 doors out of uh, 10,000 doors. Okay, 1,700 out of 10,000 doors. That's awesome. And I want to point, by the way, I want to point this out for anybody who's watching, like, that's the kind of candidate I want to support in the Libertarian Party. Because this is someone who's, who, like, really, if, if nothing else comes of this campaign, and it, it sounds like if you've got this kind of hustle and what you've chosen is, is a state house district, like, you have a, a shot of, of actually winning almost no matter what happens in something of this scale, that you can out-hustle the competition. And if, if you get to the other, you know, uh, 8,300 doors in the next couple months, that's going to be awesome. It's going to be an awesome experience for you and for all of the people who you're going to be able to touch with the message of freedom who had never heard it before. And that is so huge. And I, I just I think that's a, a great example for anybody who's considering running for office as a libertarian. Like, you know, and I, I say this to, to there are a lot of people who, who are in our movement you know, who are, like, reluctant to play the political side of things. And it's like, hey, do you want an excuse to go knock on 10,000 of your neighbor's doors and talk about what's most important to you without seeming creepy? Guess what? Put your name on a ballot. It's not creepy anymore. In fact, it's noble and legitimate and critical to advancing the American civic conversation now. But if you just go knock on doors and go, hey, man, have you heard of Rothbard? You know, uh, get out. No, go, but what Matt is doing, connecting with people like that, is is really um, you know critical work for our movement. So Matt, the question related to this is, how has Corona affected your campaign? How are people like uh, interacting with you with masks or, or shaking hands, and, and are people paranoid? How does that affect you uh, and your race? And you think the bigger uh, political scene right now? Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting challenge for sure. I mean, I filed my paperwork for treasurer, my treasurer back in January. So I planned on doing this long before Corona popped up. Um, so my initial plan to kind of get out there is as the lockdowns are really in full force here in Kansas, um, or at least in my county, um, you've actually shared it on your personal page after visiting us uh, on a virtual uh, get together in April. Um, I strapped door hangers to the side of my car. I got yep. some, uh, signs on the side of my car with my campaign logo. I thought at one point I might use in parades or something, but that's a, that's all out the window. 
Um, so, yeah, there's been some major adjustments. So I was driving around and just talking to people through my car. And yeah, hold, on, hold on, Matt. Just for a second. For the sake of the video, I, I want to get that picture up. What's the easiest way for our producer to find the photo uh, of what you did with your vehicle? It would probably be on my Facebook campaign page um, from back in April. It would be one of the posts in April from my uh campaign page. All right, well, see, see if you can look for that while, while you go go back to your answer, please. Sounds good. But um, I've taken an approach um, I kind of thought was, was the best compromise because um, I want to still respect the people that are still afraid of COVID. Um, I, I don't want the mask to be the reason I don't get a vote. So I've been out door knocking. Um, my approach has just been to put the door hanger on the door first. Try to step six feet back. So I'm doing the six feet back if the porch allows it and wearing the mask and talking to people that way. And the reception's been been really good. Um, the people that don't care about the masks, you know, no one's answering the door with the masks. But no one, uh, no one, if they don't want to wear a mask, they're not, uh, um, they don't care that I'm wearing a mask. Whereas other people open the door and say, I'm running for the to be your state representative. And they're like, you're wearing a mask. I'm going to vote for you. I'm like, okay, that was easy. Um, but here's the rest of my campaign priorities, if you'd like to take a look. <laughs> no, I just, I got, I, I just got to point out that it's, it's kind of, it's kind of sad that the celebrated default as the abundance of caution position is, is what you're doing. And it's, 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 the reality is that the general understanding of the virus in the American public right now is that. What you're doing there is being uh, just uh, cautiously, uh, abundantly polite, right? Yeah. And it's it's funny because it's actually counterproductive in so many ways. And you know, I I, I would I, I don't mind you tricking statists into voting for you accidentally by wearing a mask, like, and and I don't think any of your constituents in that category would be watching this right now. And if, but if they are, I want them to know why you're doing this. And 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 if if they want to vote for you because you're you're uh, you know abundantly cautious and polite, then hey, that's good. But that it's responsive to this faulty understanding about the practicality of the lockdowns and the distancing uh now it's really sad but i guess i guess this is an opportunity for every libertarian candidate right on lockdowns people are way more answer way more likely to answer the front door or in, in the past you know the response rate for libertarians door knocking was was a much lower percentage than it is now but that's great so so matt for the people that are against the mass like i i mean i assume there are some or there, there are a bunch that are just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Uh, do, do you get addressed with that? Do people say, hey, man, you don't have to wear the mask for me? I think I've only had one person say that you don't have to wear the mask. But it's more work to take it off than it is to, you know, just leave it on. So, um, you know, I've had people want to shake my hands, and I'll shake their hands. That's fine. Um, uh, do some hand sanitizer before the next house. But, you know, it's just... I understand that it's people's sincere belief that, that the mask is is protective of others, so that if I'm wearing it, I'm protecting them, Is that's their sincere belief. So it's just out of respect for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's so many, it's at the bottom line, it's just a mask on my face. It's It gets really sweaty and gross, and it's not fun. But we're shipping inmates out of state. That's why I'm running, and I don't want to get distracted by the COVID stuff, by the mask stuff. 
I want to bring real reforms to Kansas. And so I'll just put on the mask, mandated or not by the, by the state or by the county, um, and just go do it because that's their sincere beliefs and I'll just respect it and, and get to why I'm running. No, that makes a lot of sense, but I do want to challenge you on one thing you said there, Matt, that, yeah. that, that, that this is a distraction. And I get that it can be, right? And if you make the conversation all about that immediate physicality, what are we doing right now? Yeah, that's a distraction. But surely, I mean, you see $9 trillion in liquidity added to the U.S. dollar system. Uh, that's that's not a distraction, except that the virus is a distraction from that, right? But all of these issues, these are still very real. Uh, you know, how, for you as a state rep, does this affect both your campaign and, and policy you would propose? And I'm sorry, i got to add just one last preface to this question. You know, if, you, if you're going to take that position, it's just kind of a distraction. You think it's going to be over, or are you optimistic about this? I'm not too optimistic. I, I don't think that uh, it's going to be over for a while, or at least the government responses aren't going to be open for a while. Um, so, yeah, obviously, man, the, the COVID battle has been fascinating in Kansas. We have a supermajority Republican legislature, a majority Republican Senate, and the Republicans put up such a horrific governor candidate in 2018 that we have a Democratic governor who's mm-hmm. been all about the lockdowns. Well, after she shut down schools, first governor in the nation to shut down schools, they basically stripped her power to issue statewide mandates. So she issued the statewide mandate for schools, which failed to pass the 10-member Board of Education. Then she passed the statewide mask mandate, and but it didn't have any teeth in it. It had to be enforced by the county health officials. And I think, what, 95, so like 90 to 95 out of the 104 counties in Kansas rejected to, declined to enforce her mandate. Uh, it's been, it's been a very epic power struggle. Um, mm. I disagree with the Republicans a lot in Kansas, but in this case, with education and the mask mandate for um, some school restrictions and the mask mandate, they were all about localization, local control. That's what they were preaching up and down. I'm like, all right, here we go. I was thinking Adam Kokesh, right? When they're, talk- when they're saying that. Um, so localization has actually kind of won out with the COVID battle, the po- political COVID battle in Kansas, which has been uh, fascinating to watch. Oh, thanks for pointing that out. It's another silver lining of the current crisis, right, is that, it sort of inherently drives local customization of policy. That's that's really cool. So, Matt, you're uh, you were an airline pilot before. Uh, what are you doing now? You said you're, you're on your website. You volunteer driving senior citizens for five years, although that's not a paid gig, I assume. And uh, and and working with your church. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, well, I'm currently an airline pilot. Um, current employer just would like me to not mention who they are. Um, uh, wait, wait, hold, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on. No, no, so, can can we, I, uh, I've got to drill, your, your, your interesting self-censorship here deserves to be examined. So you work, you work for an airline company, is it like a, one of the major brands we would recognize? It's a big airline you'd recognize, yeah. Okay, and they, they 
have requested that you not use the name of that airline just in your bio or in anything publicly connected to your politics? How do they say that? Yeah, that would be their, their preference. When I when I filled out the, the forms, conflict of interest forms and stuff like that, um, they've just had a lot of uh, a lot of their pilots, uh, people trying to cancel them on social media, and it's a lot of work, and they'd just rather not deal with that. And it's a it's a good enough job. Um, well, it will be over the course of my career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I, I can't I, I can't fault you at all for for making this decision, right? In in, in light of these incentives and the basic threat of losing your job and obviously it's not as as hardcore as it could be but they are it, it is it is kind of shameful and and is it the airline's fault or are they just responding to the market forces you know I'm not going to pass judgment on 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 them either but uh, it's oh man it's really sad that that you know cuz republicans and democrats democrats don't really have problems getting you know corporate endorsements in that sense they Oh yes, I I'm working with the CEO of this and this and this, and you can't even say I'm an employee of this major airline, because that would that would be a nice thing. That's like when you say I'm a like even even the wording on your website is a little confusing about this, and, and maybe you could maybe I, maybe you should clear that up. I, but I, I, to, um, I am likely to lose my job on October first. I'm likely to be furloughed for a couple of years due to the oh oh man so, yeah. Freed up a little bit of my obligations to uh, to speak about my employer, but I mean the airline life is what's allowed me to. You know, I've been an airline pilot since what I mean, 23 a year after college. I got hired as as an airline pilot, and there's just so much time on the road, so much time to sit and read, and uh, and so I just kind of went and down the path from you know a, a constitutional era class in college. And just looking at the Constitution for the first time and being just like, how in the hell did we get from that to this? And so over the course of 10 years of just reading relentlessly, um, studying history as much as possible, that's just led me down to the uh, down to the libertarian route. So, All right, so before we get to the other, your other volunteering and church work, i got to ask if you have any insights into the aviation industry in general right now with the COVID effect? It's completely decimated the aviation industry. Um, we saw an uptick in passengers in June and July, and it kind of seemed like, all right, here comes the recovery. But as that kind of new wave kind of swept through the southern states where it hadn't really been impacted by COVID before, uh, demand has dropped back off um, significantly. Um, so, the only people really flying right now are people flying for family reasons, for uh, vacation reasons, because tickets are getting cheaper. Um, but there is no lucrative travel. There is no international travel. There is no business travel. I mean, there's some, but it is extremely limited. And so until businesses feel comfortable that they're not going to get sued if they send their employees somewhere and get COVID, so until businesses are comfortable sending their employees to travel again, um, and until the rest of the world starts allowing people from the U.S. to travel to their shores without 14-day, uh, 21-day lockdowns when you get there, um, we're not we're going to see a drastically smaller airline industry. So it's uh, it's definitely rough out there. 
Uh, it's just it, it's just so sad to see another you know economic casualty. Uh, so anyway, tell us please about Jet Express and uh, and, and what you do with your church. Uh, Jet Express is a uh, for me as a pilot, ironically named program um, through the uh, Jewish Community Center here in uh, uh, Overland Park, Kansas, and uh, I'd always volunteered high school, college, uh, was heavily involved in Habitat for Humanity, helped start some campus chapters in, at my college and some area high schools in Omaha. Um, but once I started traveling for a living, I couldn't do that consistent volunteering on Saturday morning or Wednesdays or, or I, it was, I couldn't, I had a very inconsistent life. Um, so that's when I, I saw this on the, on the news one day, they needed drivers and it's, it's just a great program. They just have one or two coordinators who take calls from senior citizens they need a ride to the doctor's office, to the grocery store, to uh, the hair salon, and uh, they just take the information, put it in an online database, and you just go in and pick up whatever ride works with your schedule. Driving in your personal vehicle, they get some social social interaction with you, and uh, and get to where they need to go um, for uh, very cheap. I think they cover they charge like four or five dollars. A ride to help cover some of their over, overhead costs, but um, it's far cheaper than than uh, about any other options out there. Nice. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. The website is mattclarkkansas.com. Uh, I'm excited about your race. I'm excited that we have a, a gold wave in 2020 of candidates like you working locally, knocking on doors, connecting with people the way that you are. Matt, uh, aside from your website, mattclarkkansas.com, is there anything else people should know about you or how to connect with you? Uh, feel free to reach out to me via my website. Otherwise, uh, you can follow me on Facebook. Uh, MattClarkKS is the uh, is the link. Um, that's my main one. I have Instagram as well. I'm not too active on there. But if you want to join me on Facebook especially and help break those algorithms so that uh, more than 20 people can see my posts at a time, I would greatly appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. All right. Do we have any callers lined up? Ladies and gentlemen, it's Friday, Open Line Friday. Our open third caller. Friday. Our third caller will win membership in the Adam vs. the Man Producers Club. You can also join us by going to patreon.com slash Adam vs. the Man. Jim, do we have anybody lined up? We don't have anybody lined up yet. I literally just now put the link back in the chat again so people can make the reference as they hear me say this. Look down in the chat and that link that just came up under Adam's name, click on that and it'll guide you through the very easy process. And as I always like to remind, remind people, if you're <laughs> camera shy, you can take down your video and do an audio-only call-in show. CJ, what am I missing? Go ahead. Your voice is off. Your mic is doing an echo thing, Jim, and you sound like an uh, like a tone down lower than your normal voice. Just, just I thought just, you just been like huffing some glue or something. Yeah, it sounds like you huffed some glue. Great, great example. Uh, is that any better? I can't tell if it's the mic or him just being funny. Are you just fucking with us now, Jim? Yeah. Oh, now, no, I'm talking normally. Am I still sounding funny? Yeah, but it sounds I cool. I voice for the day. <laughs> the voice of the comments is Jim. Let me with move, let me move my microphone. Let's see if that helps anything. 
I think so. All right. Well, let's go do it. Let's do another story while we get our first caller lined up. From studyfinds.org, report uncovers dramatic spike in children abusing parents during COVID-19 pandemic. The coronavirus lockdowns around the world have sparked fears that many people may be living in quarantine with violent partners or spouses. A new study reveals a different disturbing pattern growing in isolation. Young children abusing their parents. Researchers from the universities of Oxford and Manchester find this hidden problem is intensifying during the pandemic with the number of violent episodes skyrocketing by 70%. The study of more than 100 families and 47 social workers reveals many moms and dads believe the months-long quarantine is making already volatile homes even more unstable. Parents say being confined at home is creating a cabin fever effect for some. This pressure cooker environment leads to violent outbursts. Yeah, more unintended consequences, totally predictable. But this just shows things that we take for granted about the daily lives that we live, about how certain things keep us sane, keep us from being violent. Researchers say social workers are reporting a 69% uptick in referrals for families suffering child or adolescent to parent violence. More than 60% of the social workers believe the severity of these violent incidents are increasing too. Now, another part of this is this is one of those things that's very, very underreported, right? I mean, if your kid's violent towards you, you're gonna are you gonna call the cops on them? Are you gonna like turn like the other way around? Yeah, fuck you. I'm calling the cops on mom, dad. You want to be violent against the kid? Yeah, not a question. But if a kid's being violent against their parents, I think there's a a whole other incentive set to keep people from reporting those. Uh, kinds of incidents. Study authors point to the major changes in the daily routines of millions as a trigger for this behavior with schools and in-person services closing due to COVID-19. Researchers say family problems have been building even before the virus became a legitimate concern for many communities. Dr. Carolyn Miles says many of these children are often suffering from traumas, adding that isolation is likely aggravating an already bad situation. Quote, it is important to bear in mind that many children who are violent towards their parents have safeguarding needs of their own. Many, although not all, violent children have experienced trauma of some kind themselves and or have mental health problems, learning difficulties, or additional needs. These children are likely to have found the lockdown especially challenging and may have lost much of their external support network. Now, in terms of the underreporting, yeah, the article covers that too. The next section, coronavirus fears keeping abused parents from calling police, making the problem even worse. The report finds many parents are reluctant to report their child's violent behavior. While some parents say they don't want to be the cause of their child having a criminal record, yeah, no shit. Others fear bringing more people into the situation will only increase their family's risk of contracting COVID-19. Yeah, and, you know, we've seen here in the United States, not just from all the videos on the internet, but even my personal experience and our audience, everybody telling us about this, cops aren't doing the social distancing thing. They are above the law. They come to your driver's side passenger door at a traffic stop. This has happened to me here, even in Arizona, at the height of the outbreak. No masks, no distancing, shaking hands, no big deal. Uh, I, I think at this point, uh, at this point, we could probably safely say that law enforcement, American police, 
or vectors for the virus, and they should be forced forced to quarantine. Uh, who would force them? I don't know. Let's have the military do it. Yeah, let's have the military round up all the police and force them into quarantine. Maybe we'll finally have some peace in the streets. So the quote here, uh, one parent tells told the researchers, I wouldn't want to call the police as the danger is far greater from the virus. He would be vulnerable in a police cell before it was hard enough to call the police thinking of the usual consequences, but you could be potentially sentencing your child to death by reporting violence. Yeah, not to mention they, they might just show up and shoot your dog for fun, by accident, whatever. So, yeah, th- th- this is amazing that parents, in even the survey, you know, have this awareness where, you know, hey, I'm, I, it's normally bad to call the police, but now it's really bad to call the police. And I would just say this because I haven't for a while now as a reminder to our audience, you know, in some ways, cops are cooler, right? Well, it's Corona. I'm not going to go. They're over that. That's not even a thing anymore. I haven't heard any. I, it's been a while since I've heard stories of cops using Corona as an excuse to not fuck with people. But really, what's the reality? What you know, When you call police now compared to before, before they might shoot your dog, they might uh, or shoot your kid by accident. That's happened. They might throw flashbang grenades at babies. That's happened. Uh, they might, you know, shoot innocent people. Uh, a very likely outcome, though, is that you'd be assaulted and arrested for something that you wouldn't be arrested for otherwise if the police hadn't been called unnecessarily. And now it's like, yeah, well, the virus too. But the important bottom line for for most people, and this is like really all over the world the means of holding police accountable have been weakened with coronavirus. And the police on the street are, you know, just somewhere like five to ten times more dangerous than they have been in the past, more trigger-happy, more likely to escalate. And if we see the numbers not going up for overall police violence, it's because interactions with police overall are way, way, way down. But the percentage of those going bad, maybe we'll be able to tease out the statistics later. From what I can tell, they are going up. And even though in some cases cops will be cool, the overall effect that cops have in their heads, they know they're less accountable for fucking with people now than they were in the past. The study also examines the number of APV incidents in each of the 43 police departments throughout England and Wales. And by the way, it says earlier in the story, I was like, why are they putting this in an acronym? And it's Adolescent Apparent Violence is, is APV. Five of those departments report a definite increase in child on parent abuse during the pandemic. Nineteen police forces say there has been no significant change in the number of incidents. Study others believe this may reflect a parent's reluctance to turn in their child. C slash APV child slash adolescent parent violence is tended to be a hidden form of family violence built by families who experience stigma and shame for the actions of their child and because of a lack of recognition in government policy and service planning. So, like, what do you, what, you know, what, what do you do? Uh, so, anyway, the story ends with stopping APV before it gets worse. Researchers say the spike in APV incidents gives lawmakers a chance to address a problem that has been hidden for many years. The study, which focuses on children between 10 and 19, sees an opportunity to help families before their child's actions turn into adult crimes. The study... Authors recommend governments and local authorities increase the support services available to families reporting APV incidents. Talk about a Band-Aid on a gaping wound right now. Why is this happening? Why are there so many incidents? 
oh, because government, because of the lockdowns, because of the shutdowns, because government is violently, at least coercively, preventing, in some cases actually directly violently, preventing people from exercising their rights to travel, to go out, to socialize, and to not turn their homes into pressure cookers. They add that current programs switching to remote-only schedules has contributed to these problems in isolation. The study warns that a plan for impactful intervention is necessary, especially if a lockdown ever returns in the future. And while I am, uh, you know, heartened, I suppose, by the sentiments of this article and the author's studies, what we really, or the authors of the study, what we really, did I say author's studies? Studies, authors. Uh, I still see that when you have the police involved, sort of like the answer is right in front of you. Do you not see this? That the, the government is not how the government caused the lockdowns, the shutdowns, and the government policing is making it harder for people to access justice services and deal with this issue. What we really need is community-based public safety services so that parents who do need some physical intervention or do need help with the child can get it without having to worry about their child's lives being ruined by a criminal record, being shot or worse or beat up by cops or having their dog shot or any of these other problems that go along with socialization, that is to make socialized socialism is what we have in public safety, law enforcement, dispute resolution services. And these are just some of the obvious consequences. All right, do we have any callers lined up now, Jim? Before we get to we go to Europe, I want I really we can we can hold off on the economic block today. We're talking about personal income and mortgages. Do we not have any callers? Is that why you're on screen? We do not have any callers as of yet. I uh, just posted the link again. How's my audio? Do I still sound like I'm huffing paint? Yeah, it sounds awesome. That's so weird. Uh, what did it, what happened? I just all of a sudden I sound crazy. Or really stoned. That don't make any sense. I didn't change anything. I sounded okay earlier, right? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, shall we go to Is Europe? Government on me or something? I don't know. It sounds cool to me. Like, if my voice sounded like that all the time and the audience didn't mind, I just rolled in and be like, yeah, I just, my I'm my balls dropped and at age 38. And I finally sound like a man, and I'm okay with that because now I have a nice, deep podcasting voice. <laughs> all right, let's go to Europe. Get on the calls, ladies and gentlemen. Get on the calls. The link is in the comment section wherever you might be watching this. All you got to do, click on the link, comes up in your browser, you do it from your phone. So how I, I do this. I am on my phone right now. This is how I do the show. It's that easy. It's awesome. You love it. If people who call in, if you're in the producer's club, you know you get to hang out backstage because you get the link before the show starts every time. StreamYard makes it super, super easy. So you click on that link, you can watch the show, listen from our backstage, virtual backstage area. And uh, as soon as we get done with this next segment on Europe, we will go back to the phone lines. Man, I'm old school radio. I, I, I had a radio show when we actually used a landline for people to take calls. That's how fucking old school media I am. Oh, yeah. All right, MedicalExpress.com. France, Germany, joined nations tightening controls to halt virus surge. Yeah, th- this is a story from yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, so remember flattening the curve? Yeah. Uh, No, that's not a thing anymore. We have to beat the virus completely. Uh, And by beat it, 
uh, we mean use it as thoroughly as we can for as long as we can as an excuse to milk this thing as much as possible. Germany and France drew up tougher rules on Thursday in line with a growing number of countries battling a resurgence in coronavirus infections with Paris making masks obligatory in all public places in a bid to curb a rise of new cases in the city. I'm, I'm just getting tired of translating all this, but I really feel like as a matter of integrity, I have to do it every time. They are not doing this to curb cases. They are doing this for control and exploitation. Don't you ever forget it. Don't let the mainstream media twist the narrative framing to support that of government and all the other corona profiteers. European countries are seeing an increase in infections even as they struggle to balance new restrictions against the need for their economies to recover from the devastating impact of the first round of lockdowns. Oh, my God, I'm not even going to stop and deconstruct that sentence. Britain, South Korea, and Rwanda are also tightening their restrictions as fears rise of a return to the draconian antivirus curb put in place earlier in the year. Well, at least that's accurate. People aren't afraid of the virus. They're afraid of the curbs. The pandemic has killed more than 826,000 people worldwide since servicing in China late last year, and more than 24 million infections have been reported. Bullshit. And you know what? Really, medical, like, this is just, this is not a credible news source. When you just report these fake numbers without, like, I mean, you put an asterisk at them and be like, according to government, the total count is 826,000 people killed. But, like, you cannot put forth that number without a caveat with a straight face or in good faith knowing how overreported those numbers are. 24 million infections have been recorded. Even in the U.S., we have thousands of cases that we know of, that we know of, where people go into the doctor, hey, I think I have uh, corona, I got a sniffle. Or, hey, man, I don't think I have corona, but I got a sniffle. Well, we're, we're, well, we can't test you because that would take two weeks. And it's not, we're just going to put you down for corona. And you just self-quarantine anyway. You know, lockdowns, go ahead, you know. Really? Germany, the European Union's biggest economy, will impose several rules on mask wearing and keep football fans out of stadiums until at least the end of the year under a draft proposal. The measures, such as a minimum fine of 50 euros, that's 59 U.S. dollars for flattering requirements on mask wearing, are likely to be officially agreed. Later Thursday, like they're just getting to this now. There's going to be some momentum to this. Skipping ahead to the highly uncertain section, Britain, which left the EU in January, meanwhile reversed course and has called on students to wear masks when they return from class next, next week. Keeping, excuse me, return to class from next week. Keeping mask wearing and other restrictions in place, Rwanda has lengthened its evening curfew and prevented movement in and out of the western area of Rusizi after a recent infection surge. Rwanda on Tuesday hit a record 217 cases in one day and has reported a third of its 3,625 cases in the last 10 days, with authorities blaming the spike on complacency and fatigue with social distancing measures. Now that deserves translation. It's happening because you have not been obedient enough, and if you do not obey harder, it's going to get worse. And we can prove it because we'll just make it worse. And the thing that kills me about this, okay, 217 cases in a day. So many, like, more people are going to die 
because of these restrictions. We know from all the contradictions in the way the government is handling this that it's bullshit. That they need to enforce mask laws to the point of locking people up for their own safety and then they're getting more sick in U.S. jails and prisons. Or that we're doing this for the kids when kids are suffering the most under remote learning. But that's not the case in Europe anymore. The next story from Associated Press Europe is going back to school despite recent virus surge. A mother and her three children scanned the school supplies in a pair of supermarket plucking out multicolored fountain pens, crisp notebooks, and plenty of masks despite resurgent coronavirus infections. Similar scenes are unfolding across Europe as a new school year dawns, virus or no virus. European authorities are determined to put children back in a classroom to narrow the learning gaps between haves and have-nots that have deepened during lockdowns and to get their parents back to work. Now, this is where you go, oh, this could be the frightening new normal, right? Because do they really want you to get back to work so that the economy is healthy? Do we, do we really want – I mean, think about this for a second. The people running societies, the European authorities want to make sure that we, we don't uh, have too much of a learning gap between the haves and the have-nots. And for those of you who have been following the lockdown education dynamics, what they're referring to here is that if you're rich, you can have a babysitter, you can have a tutor, you have the best computers, technology, internet service. If you don't, if you're in a single-parent household and your parent is struggling to make ends meet and is have to, has to be out of the house and leave you alone, well, now there's a, there's an educational divide. But they, they're okay with that. They've never fought that before. They, they, I mean, really? You look at the performance of government schools and you go, no, this is designed to keep people down. This is designed to condition you to be a cog in the machine. And that's what they want people to get back to because they don't want you thinking for yourself if you're being homeschooled. They don't want you to have all that time. I mean, think about what they are robbing from children in terms of time by saying, this is your education. You're going to sit in cemetery row seating. You're going to listen to someone teach you what to think and never how to think. Where that time instead could be spent actually learning things that are useful about the world, like how the whole government-run education system is a racket. And they want the parents to get back to work so that they can be exploited. And they want their kids to grow up to be cogs in the machine, too. Remember, that is the point of all of this. But there is a growing resistance in Europe. And as we heard from our friend Ben Swan a couple weeks ago when this really started heating up, even these numbers are hugely underreported. But now, it's not just that we're going to take advantage of you. It's not just that we're going to force you into lockdown, into wearing a diaper on your face, a slave muzzle. This story from Reuters is really quite disturbing. And it does make me appreciate the significance of the First Amendment in the United States, right? Because even though the First Amendment isn't really respected by government, we at least have it as a pretty well-enshrined standard of expectations for freedom of speech. And, of course, right now, uh, the, the government in the United States is – well, so uh, about the, the, the protests and the rallies and riots and everything here, it's obviously favoring Trump as the law and order candidate 
making the bad, making the left look bad. So the more they can, the more that Trump's campaign and the, the right the Republicans, they can infiltrate these leftist movements, uh, you know, the leftist, uh, the, the BLM, the, the Antifa, all of that, and make them look really aggressive and dangerous. Well, then the, the more likely Trump is to win. This might be his actual ace in the hole, but it's certainly in his best interest to do this. It also reveals that the coronavirus restrictions don't carry more weight than the entrenchment of the First Amendment in the United States. And that's a good thing. The story from Reuters, though, and this is what people around the world are facing. Oh, no, you don't even get to protest. Berlin bans protests against coronavirus curb. The city of Berlin will put thousands of police on the streets at the weekend to enforce a ban on demonstrations opposing measures imposed to stem the coronavirus pandemic after marchers at a recent rally failed to wear masks or keep their distance. And and you know what? Like Reuters, come on. You're really supposed to be a little more objective than this. I mean, they failed to wear masks or keep their distance. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I failed to obey federal drug laws as a medical cannabis user in the state of Arizona. I didn't fail. I succeeded in defiance. Like, go fuck yourself with this authoritarian bullshit. I mean, this is like, this is, this is world news on Reuters. Like, and, 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 like, you really don't have, like, I mean, I want to call this out. Writing by Emma Thomason, editing by Mark Heinrich and Angus McSwan, reporting by Renee Wagner. Our standards, the Thomson Reuters trust principles. Can we trust you to not slander people just for standing up to authority? Andreas Geisel, the Berlin interior senator, said the authorities had decided to ban the protest after weighing the importance of the right to freedom of assembly with the need to protect people against infection. Quote, we are still in the middle of a pandemic with rising infection figures, he said. Yeah, if you believe that. And why do we have rising infection figures? And they can do this at any time. This is why they delayed the testing. Now they can put the testing out and say, look, well, we got look, look, we all these more positive tests. They can manipulate these numbers as much as they want. As long as, I mean, the only, the only limit now is uh, the believability. Germany has managed to keep the number of COVID-19 cases and deaths relatively low compared with some other large European countries. But the number of new daily cases has been rising steadily since early July and has accelerated in recent weeks. About 20,000 people, including libertarians, Constitutional loyalists, far-right supporters, and anti-vaccination activists marched in Berlin August 1st. Geisel said the organizers of that protest had deliberately broken rules they had previously agreed with police, including wearing masks and maintaining social distancing. Mm -hmm. As he said, quote, such behavior is not acceptable. The state cannot be given the runaround. Well, apparently it, it can. And it will. And it should. A lot more. The uh, Berlin wing of AFD, Alternative for Germany, that is a far-right party, saying the Senate is trampling on fundamental rights. Yeah, but it's nothing new. Guys now said several thousand police will patrol the German capital at the weekend and warned of the potential for violence, saying that he and the police had received threats early in the pandemic. Berlin police detained more than 100 people at an unauthorized demonstration against the lockdown in in June. Police in the Netherlands detained some 400 people at a protest against social distancing measures. 
So one of the important takeaways from the story is that in Europe, they are actually just arresting protesters, whereas in the United States, they are fanning the flames of protest for political manipulation. And while we are consumed here in the United States, of course, with our unique challenges under Corona right now, this dark cloud is hanging over the heads of the entire world. And the Anna versus the Man audience is truly international. And I, and I want to I want to take this show's perspective more global if we can. But even short of that, for those of you in the United States, you have to know how this is reflecting the Corona racket against the other governments throughout the world. And, uh, yeah, it's ugly everywhere. All right, do we have any callers lined up, or are we going to go into our science block? So I kind of want to do this. It's a good backup plan, but I'd rather talk to the audience. I guess we don't have any callers. No callers. I'm looking at Telegram, though, by the way. With this, and the, CJ, I don't know if you can pull up your message from Telegram on um, on screen here. But the one that Kim Wood just sent us with the meme, this, this is good. It's like dark. This is really dark. I, I, I'm a fan of dark comedy. Um, do I still have this pulled up? Worstjokes.com. I should. I closed that tab. Where is it? Worst. Was it Worst Jokes? Anyway, CJ. Yeah, that one, CJ. That's it. Um, yeah, the website is worstjokesever.com. But this meme that, uh, that, that Kim just posted has a picture of Kyle Rittenhouse, the Kenosha shooter, and the caption says, bagged a wife beater, a pedo, and a burglar in one night, a feat which will be forever known as the Kenosha hat trick. Um, yeah, that's great. And and Kim was saying that uh, you helped explain this meme initially. It had gone over my head. Yeah, it is a bit of an insight of a joke of a meme, but it, it is, uh, you know, and, and I don't want to celebrate the violence. Like, I, it's... I mean, I can celebrate the silver linings, but there's nothing to celebrate here in, 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 in these deaths. They're all they're all needless. They're all dumb. They're all fucking stupid, needless deaths. Um, in the moment, justified, sure, but uh, should have been dealt with ahead of time. Should have been, and, and you know, given the media and and political. Whipping into a frenzy of these protests. I think they bear some responsibility. This didn't have to happen. But uh, as long as it did happen, let's make dark jokes about it. Kyle Rittenhouse bagged a white beater, a pedo, and a burglar in one night. A feat which will forever be known as the Kenosha hat trick. And um, the website is, this is worstjokesever.com. I kind of want to just peruse this just for a second before we go to our science blog to wrap things up today for the latest to see if there's anything here, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's sort of current events related. But my favorite, by the way, I, I put this up on Twitter too, retweeted this. Uh, I forget who did it, but uh, someone said, uh, I had a joke about COVID-19, but I'm not going to tell it because 99.98% of you aren't even going to get it. Ah, uh, yeah, get it, get it, yeah. All right, so our libertarian follow train, we picked up another couple dozen retweets during the show today. But if you could follow me at twitter.com slash Adam Kokesh or just at Adam Kokesh on Twitter, we've got our libertarian follow train just started this morning. Almost up to 100 retweets already, 91. Can we get it to 100 by the end of the show? Let's do it, guys. Let's bump this thing. Let's grow the community. This one's going to be fun. I'm I'm looking forward 
to my Twitter this weekend as I'm pumping water to fill up our our, uh, our big tank here in Gardenia, looking at all of these memes. There's some really good ones already on this thread. So go check out the memes at uh, twitter.com slash Adam Kokesh or follow me at Adam Kokesh to jump in on that. So for our tech block today, we're going to jump right into this. Daily Star. Tourists will be able to visit hotels in space within a few years, expert claims. A scientific author says wealthy tourists will be able to visit space hotels by the end of the decade before humans return to the moon. Commercial space hotels are likely to be the next big step. Now, this is really cool. Like, and I'm, I'm all for this, by the way. It's just, it's, it's unfortunate. Super rich people who got their money illegitimately are going to be the ones driving this technology. And, yeah, we'd be doing this by now if it wasn't for government anyway. But it is kind of unfortunate that because rich people want to stay in hotels in space, that money is going to that instead of meeting human needs on Earth. And we have so much homelessness and economic despair, especially now in the wake of coronaphobia with the evictions crisis happening here in the United States. But this is cool. So um, the article goes on, tourists will be able to enjoy a holiday in space in hotels in just a few years. Father Christopher Wanjek made the claim and said humans will be able to visit Within this decade, the writer of Space Fairs, How Humans Will Settle the Moon, Mars, and Beyond, also added wealthy tourists can visit the hotels before humans establish a permanent base on the moon. The current deadline set by the Trump administration is 2024 for NASA to return humans to the moon. But uh, according to the expert, Mr. Wanjek cast out on the 2024 deadline and suggested commercial space hotels are likely to be the next big step in increasing the human presence in space. Uh, but he, as he said, and this is important to point out, before the moon, we're going to be in low Earth orbit. That's where a lot of money is going to be made in terms of space hoteling. We have crude space hotels and space tourism definitely within this decade. The moon base, I don't think it's going to happen this decade. This plan to get humans back to the moon by 2024 is ill-fated. It was a bad idea to begin with. And now with the pandemic, it's certainly not going to happen. What you want to do and what NASA was planning on doing is slowly uh, get is, is slowly get back there by setting up an infrastructure, send some robots, map out the area, lay down from lay down some infrastructure. Now remember, we have had a commercial space flight for for a few years now, uh, very limited, where you you go up to lower the orbit, you experience zero gravity, and you come back. And it's not widespread. You know these things take time. Unfortunately, I, I wish it would take uh, a lot less time than it is now, and if it wasn't for government, it would be happening a lot faster, but happening it is. Our next story, SCMP, South China Morning Post. Scientists in China, U.S., develop rewritable silk drive that can be implanted in human body. Yeah, mind blown. The silk protein memory, capable of storing digital information as well as biological data as a capacity of 64 gigabytes per square inch and can operate under harsh conditions. The information stored in the silk hard drive remains safe and sound even after 30 minutes of exposure to high-level microwave radiation. Scientists in China and the U.S. have developed a novel storage medium made from silk proteins, an implantable material on which information can be written to, read from, and erased. The silk protein memory 
capable of storing digital information as well as biological data such as blood biomarkers, has a capacity of 64 gigabytes per square inch and can operate under harsh conditions including bacterial contamination, high humidity, high magnetic fields, and clinical level gamma radiation. Now this is like, wow, now this is still very, very early on in the development of this technology, obviously. Infrared light is used to etch information onto the silk with nanoprobes used for focusing the light beams according to the study. So the, the point of this is not like, hey, we got this, we're going to put it in your brain. But this is the first major step because we still don't have how to interface with the brain with this memory chip, but now you have like the raw capacity for this. So as uh, Tiger Hao, who from the CAS Shanghai Institute of Microsystem Information Technology was quoted saying by state-backed media, the Global Times, quote, the biological compatibility of the silk drive is good and can be implanted into living organisms such as the human body, which can be preserved for a long time or even forever. So I guess with this technology, as it is today, you could, like, load up one of these things, a square into this, and then, like, surgically implant it and have that data hidden in your body. But, of course, the ultimate goal is to have it in your brain or attached to your brain and being able to, using your mind, add data to this thing. Imagine if you had this hard drive that could now create uh, like you don't need a camera. Well, maybe maybe you don't need a camera in your eyeball. Maybe you have a device in your brain that provides a video record of everything your eyes see. Uh, I mean, the, the potential for this. Yeah, I mean, that's really just scratching the surface of what has been in the realm of science fiction that is now being wrenched into reality. Now, speaking of re-engineering the mind, we know that psychedelics have a huge role to play in the advancing of humanity right now towards a voluntary society, towards the asymptote, the acceleration, the ascendant, whatever you want to call it. From lucid.news, Buddhist University partners with MAPS offer MDMA-assisted psychotherapy training. Now, it's unfortunate. I guess at lucid.news, most people know what MAPS stands for when it's all in capital letters like that. This is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychological Studies. Not psychedelic studies, excuse me, not exactly an easy acronym, so yeah, MAP. As MDMA-assisted therapy edges closer to FDA approval, interest is growing among therapists for training in the use of entheogen in their practice. Starting in September, the um, uh, Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, MAPS, is partnering with Naropa University, a Buddhist university in Boulder, Colorado, to offer a unique training course in MDMA-assisted psychotherapy, the second such program to be offered by an accredited institution. Full disclosure, I spoke at a fundraiser for MAPS in San Francisco. It was an amazing event, and um, I'm, I'm really excited that we have this organization pushing for this. And it's not just uh, MDMA. Uh, mushrooms as well, incredible promise for the treatment of PTSD. Now, is this technology, why am I covering this in the tech block? Well, it does relate to a couple of, the, of these other stories, but it also is, in and of itself, a technology that we are learning how to use more effectively. A technology that's been with us from nature for years. Not MDMA, of course, but mushrooms. MDMA, of course, was originally developed as a couple's counseling drug because it made you more open and vulnerable, and now has been shown to be very effective in treating PTSD as well. Why was it illegal? Oh, people started having fun with it, using it as a party drug. Duh. 
well, government has to step in and say, oh, well, we have to make this illegal. And so, again, this is an example of this technology, MDMA, that we had, that we could have been treating PTSD decades ago with, and yet it's only just now because of government. Literally, we see the delay in this technology. And, and I have to cite here the work of Dr. Mary Ruard, who I'm a big fan of, who was on the show talking about corona very early on, who has shown that the FDA has been responsible for literally tens of millions of deaths with its delaying of life-saving drugs getting to the market because of testing and by releasing dangerous drugs onto the market. And I'm just using that same extrapolation concept here. Even though these kinds of statistics aren't counted in her numbers, let's add on to the pile, the body pile, the death count that government is responsible for. If they did not make, if government did not make MDMA illegal decades ago, and it instead continued its course of being studied for medical development to treat psychological issues like PTSD, how many less people would have committed suicide? How many less veterans would have committed suicide since then due to PTSD? Yeah. Unintended consequences? No, they knew what they were doing. This is all intentional. So our next story, the next brain technology interface, and again, the reason like the psychedelic stuff in MDMA is important is because it's advancing humanity past our cycles of trauma that have been imbued generation after generation. Becoming less violent over time, processing that trauma more effectively allows us to break so many toxic cycles. But there might be a shortcut coming from none other than Elon Musk. Teslarati.com, Elon Musk, to unveil Neuralink progress with real-time neuron demonstration this week. Elon Musk's brain machine interface company, Neuralink, has an event scheduled for later this week to update the public on its progress since last year's presentation. While the agenda is speculative for the most part, one expectation is a live demonstration of neuron activity. We will show neurons firing in real time on August 28th. The Matrix in the Matrix, Musk tweeted at the end of July. Now, this is not at the point of any kind of practical technology for application. You're not going to be able to go to your doctor and get a Neuralink put in next week or, you know, go to the gas station out of time. When this technology becomes prevalent, it is going to be earth-shattering. Remember, technological progress follows a kind of exponential curve, right? You can look at the change that we've experienced in the last 20 years with the internet coming I know it's been around longer than that, but particularly in the last 20 years, you can see that the internet has been a sort of <clears throat> mature entity having an effect across society. And it's been pretty serious, right? I mean, things you, you just stop for a second and consider how much of your life is connected to the internet. You, you, if you have a smartphone, especially, right? It's like all day long, I'm, I'm talking to people on Twitter. I'm getting my news from my phone, my weather from the phone. I'm, I'm using it as a flashlight. You know, I mean, it's just like everything is, is, is altered because of this. And it's not just those kinds of things that you see directly on your phone. It's a lot of unseen things as well, right? Like in conversation, people don't try to bullshit you about facts as much when you can just Google that shit and be like, uh, I think you're full of shit. Um, similarly, you look at the change of the last 200 years in order for it to really rival the change of the last 20 years. And then you got to go back 2,000 years to, to, to be the equivalent of that. 
and then 20,000 years, and then 200,000 years when, you know, over that period of time, well, we got fire in the wheel and not much else. So you see there's, there's an exponential nature to this curve of technology. And as much as the cell phone and the Internet have been disruptors in that sense, have been tools of great acceleration of the human experience, the brain interface technology is going to be on the next level when it comes. And it's not here, but it is being worked on. And I'm grateful for the fact that Elon Musk is pushing the envelope here and driving this technology forward. So there is some consequence to this. We got one more story, I guess, before we get to the next positive tech story from statnews.com. As Elon Musk's Neuralink prepares to draw back the curtain, ex-employees describe rush timelines clashing with science's slow pace. The hype from Elon Musk has been coming for weeks. This Friday, his secretive brain implant startup Neuralink will give the first major update on its progress in more than a year. Whatever Neuralink unveils, it follows years of internal conflict in which rush timelines clash with the slow and incremental pace of science. A stat examination has found. Four former employees described a chaotic internal culture typical of Musk's companies, characterized by intense demands and a sometimes haphazard rush to carry out projects and just as quickly to kill them. Yeah, fail fast. The company is now down to just two of its eight original founding scientists, and its researchers have long talked privately about the need to scale back elements of the company's sweeping ambitions to focus on simpler and more targeted applications of its technology to make quicker progress, according to two former employees. Now. There are, there are plenty of things to, to criticize Musk for, but rushing science, it's not like he's about to put these into people's brains who aren't you know, ready for it. So I, I don't know. There is a, a note of caution that is worth striking here, which is to say that while this technology, like the Internet, is all fundamentally empowering, it means nothing without deliberate, conscientious use. And just as we've seen with the Internet become a battleground for censorship, largely driven by governments, of course, censoring narratives that don't support their exploitation rackets, there is going to be a battleground over this next technology. But every technology is fundamentally empowering to humanity, whether it's for good or bad. And empowerment means that we are less likely to have exploitation rackets. We are less likely to have violent governments. We are less likely to have wars. And while it's scary to think that we might be getting some of these technologies before we get rid of government or coercive governments, uh, violent, irresponsible, unaccountable governments, that uh, it's still better that we're getting this technology than not. So the next one, really, yeah, next level with this, could injectable microbots one day run in your veins? And this uh, computer-generated image is funny here. They've got this this little, like, high-tech mock-up. And it says, are around, the robots seen here in a computer-generated image are around the width of a human hair. And it's like, yeah, yeah, we're capable of making shit that small. Scientists have created an army of microscopic four-legged robots, too small to see with the naked eye, that walk when stimulated by a laser and could be injected into the body through hypodermic needles. Microscopic robots are seen as having an array of potential uses, particularly in medicine, and U.S. researchers said the new robots offer the potential to explore biological environments. Remember, like the magic school bus? They shrank the bus down, and they were able to go through the human body. 
or uh, Anatomy Park from Rick and Morty. Yeah, this that that might be the reality now when you've got nanobots like this. If they got cameras attached to them, and you can just go through the human body. Amazing what's possible. But there's so much more to this in terms of curing diseases, reengineering the body. The researchers acknowledge that their creations are currently slower than, the, than other microbots that swim, less easy to control than those guided by magnets, and do not sense their environments. The robots are prototypes that demonstrate the possibility of integrating electronics with the parts that help the device move around. Miskin said, adding they expect the technology to develop quickly. The next step is to build sophisticated circuitry. Can we build robots that sense their environment and respond? How about tiny programmable machines? Can we make them able to run without human intervention? Yeah, yeah, I'll bet you can. And uh, as he said, quote, but this is a very new idea, and we're still trying to figure out what's possible. Quote, swallow the surgeon is the next section here. Um, I mean, this is this is crazy. Uh, th- but yeah, this is this is uh, for medical technology. This is this is on the horizon. This might be closer than the Neuralink in terms of practical application that you could have nanobots delivering medicine to target parts of your body, uh, restructuring organs, chipping away at bones. I mean, who knows what these things are going to be capable of when we actually engineer the potential of this technology into a nanobot that is small enough to be injected into the human body, to circulate through the human body without damaging in and of itself with its presence. And then what functionality can we pack into those nanobots? Hmm. Sky's the limit, right? Uh, Quite literally, perhaps. And for those of you who don't know, this does raise the fear for me of the gray goose scenario. Because what if you could program one of those nanobots to turn whatever matter it touches into another nanobot? And you actually have a microscopic robotic virus that turns the entire planet, any physical material it comes into contact with, into the gray goo of the nanobots. Yeah, there are some scary possibilities with where this goes. But let's end on a couple positive notes because we're going to be able to get around a lot faster very soon here. And I just, you know, anybody who understands government, you look at the current energy, transportation, technology paradigms, and it's just, it's, it's fucking insane. It is, it is, to me, like, literally mind-boggling. I've got my head around a lot of things here. It is actually mind-boggling to me how humanity has allowed ourselves to stay stuck in the current major mainstream transportation paradigm of an internal combustion engine spinning four rubber wheels down a paved road. Like, I guess it's just so fucking awesome. We've been like, ooh, 100 years? Oh, this is great. We'll stick with this. People dying in road accidents, ah, whatever. This is fun. Let's get drunk and drive. You know, like, this is considering what we have available as alternatives. I mean, we had the electric car available decades ago as a practical alternative just to the drivetrain concept with the internal combustion engine. We've had the technology for drones and flying cars for a long time, just finally now being put together. But before we get to the grand finale here, CNN.com has long-awaited Stellara 500L bullet plane is finally revealed. A mysterious bullet-shaped plane was spotted at the Southern California Logistics Airport near Victorville in April 2017. 
Its unusual design prompted immediate speculation with military website The War Zone, being the first to report that the aircraft was the work of California-based auto aviation, and the development was very much under wraps. Now, in the late summer of the strangest year in aviation history, the Seller 500L has finally been revealed to the world with the launch of a new website and a bunch of very cool new photos. What we're looking at is a six-person private craft that promises to fly at jet speeds, but with eight times lower fuel consumption in a range that's twice that of a comparably sized craft. Think about that for a second. I'm going to have to be putting in an airstrip here at my homestead in Gardenia. Yeah, if we don't have all vertical takeoff devices by the time I get to that. A six-person craft promises to fly at jet speeds eight times lower fuel consumption. Welcome to private planes for everybody. Yeah, not everybody. I know, we're a long ways from that. But it might be just around the corner that you might be able to buy this and thus avoid modern commercial airlines, which have not gotten just so much more miserable with mask mandates. And we just saw that Delta added 240 people to their no-fly list for refusing to wear masks or just not wearing them in photos. Like, I mean, it's, it's getting ugly. So, fuck it. Why not just buy your own plane? A big part of the flying is the cost and the labor. You take those out of the equation, flying becomes a lot cheaper. So, so comparably sized aircraft, like they're talking about competing against, you know, relatively small planes, private jets, but twice the range. Like, you're going to be able to get around the world pretty practically in one of these. Like, I, I don't know what, what you're actually going to be able to do. Like, yeah, can you fly from, uh, maybe you can't fly from L.A. to Paris. you got to stop to refuel in New York. Okay. But you don't have to go through a TSA checkpoint. Now, this you might think, okay, Adam, six-man private jet, that's a bit much. Well, guess what? Our next story takes it to an even more personal level. From usnews.com, Japan's flying car gets off ground with a person aboard. The decades-old dream of zipping around in the sky as simply as driving on highways may be becoming less illusory. And what you see in this picture is so cool. It really its a little quadcopter. Now, again, like I said, we've had this technology for a long time. It's just a matter of bringing it together and making it practical. You know, we've had the materials. We've had... The motors, the, you know, drive technology for this. The batteries have to get lighter. I mean, the lighter the batteries get, or if it's by fuel, the practicality of that has to be, you know, engineered. But what we're seeing now is just drones, you know, you kind of control like that. Do we take aerial pictures of here with, you know, that just getting big enough to carry a person now. We've actually had these for a while. We brought you the story of something where Dubai had these flying taxis actually in service years ago. So this technology coming to the next level is really just a loop closer to this being something that you can buy and use as practically as an automobile today, except way more practical, way more flexible, and probably more economical in in the final equation. So... Japan's SkyDrive Inc. 
among the myriads of flying car projects around the world, has carried out a successful, though modest, test flight with one person aboard in a video shown to reporters on Friday, a contraption that looked like a slick motorcycle with propellers lifted several feet off the ground and hovered in a netted area for four minutes. Tomohiro Fukuzawa, who hits the SkyDrive ever said he hopes the flying car can be made into a real-life product by 2023, but he acknowledged that making it safe was critical. Of the world's more than 100 flying car projects, only Anvil has succeeded with a person on board. So, yeah, got to zoom out here for perspective. There have been more than 100 flying car projects, and that's like serious development. There are a lot of people going, yeah, we need to make this happen. We need to make this a reality. So I'm confident that of all the technologies we see on the horizon, this is going to be one that you're going to get to experience relatively quickly. So regardless of whether we get the Grey Goose scenario or brain chip, maybe you'll be able to fly this thing with a chip in your brain. Who knows? Yeah, you can hear the fans buzzing there on the video. Fun little audio note. Thank you, ZJ. Regardless of what crazy high-tech dystopia we might find ourselves in with just a few more years ahead of us, at very least, you'll probably get to enjoy zipping through it on your own little personalized quadcopter. And that's our tech block. I hope that gives you a good update on everything that's on the horizon. That was a lot of fun for me. I really enjoyed that. It's Friday. I know we're over time. We got a late start. But let's see. I'm going to take as many callers as people want to call in. Do we have anybody who wants to join us live on the air right now? No callers today. No callers. Everybody just wants to comment. Like, they're too cool. Really? I am your father. Thank you. Yes, it is, it is a good voice effect. All right. Well, since we're over time, uh, you got any burning comments before we do the good news and wrap things up? Uh, well, real quick about the flying cars. I'm a status says, imagine rush hour in a city like Phoenix with a bunch of pompous jackasses flying around, flying these around over your head. No, thank you. <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry. Your status ludite perspective I'm going to beat it and smack it out of the air right now with that bullshit. No, get out of here, really. You think we're going to figure out flying cars and we're not going to figure out traffic? Why do we have, like, first of all, why do we have, so, why do we have traffic issues? Because government runs the roads, first of all. But we're restrained to two dimensions. Open up a third dimension. You have all these extra lanes. You, you know, okay, oh, it's going to be chaos. No. Quick flights to and from where you're going. You're going to have autopilot. You're not going to collide with anything. It's going to be, it's going to be an excel. Like you're going to, you, we are going to have guidance systems with flying cars better than anything we have with regular cars today, which are this fucked up guidance system right here in every single one of them. Yeah, like, Most like flying cars. Make rocks points out. You have to uh, you have to program your destination. You're not. It's not like people are operating them manually and they'll be flying around yeah. willy nilly. It's going to be obviously you'll have to program it in and then it'll take you where you're going on the safest route. And they'll be connecting with the other uh, flying automobiles so that they'll know you know anti collision and all that. They they're not going to release it without the safeguards. Obviously, right? Yeah. They, they would, autopilot you know. will be the default. 
where like you put it on 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 this control pad. We probably just talk to him and be like, "Take me to work," and it goes and puts you down at work, right? And and really, this is going to be so much more efficient. I don't think most people are going to own their own. It's going to be like uh, like like you know self flying taxi. I I mean I, I don't know where this goes because there are too many unpredictable economic confluences with this. You know, is everybody going to own their own thing, or are they just going to get picked up? Are you even going to have a manual pilot option? Are you going to be able to turn off autopilot? Probably not in a lot of these, but if you own your own, then you can have one for recreational purposes, for exploring. There's going to be so much more fun with this. But even when you're in manual pilot mode, anywhere that you'd be flying where you're in anti-collision, whatever it is, engage. So I, I'm not I'm not worried about any of that. Let me see. Um, was I muted and then unmuted for a second there? Anyway. Uh, yeah, your sound did cut out for a second, but you what, came right what back. Else we have, uh, what else do we have for comments here, Jim? Well, the last thing I wanted to bring up is something that I just saw in my notifications, uh, and I didn't even realize it, but did you realize that today is the 57th anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have Dream speech? I had noticed that there are people marching on Washington for a commemoration today. I didn't realize. Well, hey, yeah. let's get to, on that note. Shall we get to this day in history or good news? Good news in history, yeah, history. I think so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, good news in history, August 27. So they always start with weird things on this website, like as, as features, before they get to the good bullet points of more good news on this day. The first one is, 355 years ago today, the first American play was performed at Folks Tavern in Accomack County on Virginia's eastern shore entitled Ye Barra and Ye Cub. It was the first time a play was produced in the English colonies in North America, the bear and the cub. Probable site of Folks Tavern where this first recorded play in English America was performed August 27. 1665. That's the plaque on the sign. Anyway, um, now this is actually, there's actually a fun story behind this. Possibly because it was performed on the Sabbath, the play ended up in court charged with being blasphemous and profane by some offended critic. The second performance of the show actually took place in court, which also convened in Folk's Tavern when the judge demanded to see it after watching the play, which was likely the invention of the three offending presenters. Cornelius Watkinson, Philip Howard, and William Darby, the judge throughout the case, fined the critic for frivolous waste of the court's time, declared that the show was not blasphemous, but rather entertaining. And on this day in 1920, Radio Argentina first broadcast a live show from the theater in Buenos Aires, one of the first live radio transmissions in the world. On this day in 1939, the first jet aircraft flew the Hinkle HG-17178, piloted by Eric Gorsuch and powered solely by turbojets. On this day in 1952, negotiations between West Germany and Israel over reparations for Nazi atrocities ended in Luxembourg, with the European country agreeing to pay 3 billion Deutschmarks. Oh, gosh, we're not even going to start to unpack that one. On this day in 1991, Moldova declared independence from the USSR. There's some pure good news of localization. On this day in 1991, Pearl Jam released their debut album, 10, which was the Seattle Group's most commercially successful album, selling over 13 million copies. 
and producing three hit singles, Alive, Even Flow, and Germany. All great songs of my childhood. And on this day in 2008, Senator Barack Obama, Senator from Illinois, became the first ever black American nominated for president by a major party at its national convention. Thus robbing black Americans of the ability to say, fuck you, white America, being president of the United States is not something any of our people would ever stoop so low as to do. And with that, thank you so much for watching. We will talk to you on Monday. Don't forget to go to the store at adamversustheman.com. Sign up on Patreon, patreon.com slash adamversustheman. Peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other. Thank <laughs> you.